Dave's Psych Lectures, part of the Thunderbird 6 Podcasting Network. I brought the brain today. Because we're talking neuroanatomy, we're talking organization. Um, for the most part, we were talking like sort of gross neuroanatomy, big bits, right? So, oh shit. <laughs> I was doing this yesterday in my memory class. I don't know why it's the first slide lately that's been doing this. One of the distinctions we can look at is the distinction between anatomy and physiology. And a lot of you guys, almost all of you guys know about this. Anatomy is the parts, and physiology is what the parts do, how they work. Right? So your heart, that's anatomy. The fact that it pumps blood, that's physiology. I realize that's a little bit of an oversimplification, but you know what I'm talking about. So we're mostly going to be talking about anatomy. But I'm going to, and I'm not going to talk so much about physiology, I will talk about function, though. So I'm not going to talk so much about how these parts work today. We'll talk about that in the course of course. But I'm going to talk about the function of these parts of your brain, um, the ones that, I want to, that I'm highlighting today and probably next time. So again, it's not going to be physiology per se, but I'm not going to ignore that these things have function. I think just talking about them and saying, now memorize this, without telling you what part it, what it does is kind of silly. So... I have to talk about both. Your brain itself is at best uh, organized in a semi-random pattern. Um, this to me is one of the many indications that nobody built this thing. Because I wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't engineer it this way. Why would you put You know, why would you put vision back here? Wouldn't you put it closer to where your eyes are? I don't know. Why would you put language production there and language comprehension there? Why would you do that? That's stupid. Why would you run everything? <laughs> really horrible fan fiction of like Walking Dead. <laughs> the worst fan fiction ever. Grr, brains. Grr, being fooled by a plastic brain. And I'm, these are all parts I'm going to talk about. That's what I'm just saying. But why would you run all sensory systems through something right there? Except for smell. You know. But unless it's Thursday. No, that part's, I was kidding. <laughs> the Thursday part, I'm kidding. But like, why would you run everything through that thalamus? Why would you run all sensory systems through there except for one? So, it doesn't make a lot of sense the way this thing's organized. It works. I've not built a brain before, so I'm not quite sure. But it still makes you kind of wonder what the hell's going on here. So, it's, it's, it, Trying to think of this thing logically isn't going to help you, okay? So trying to, oh, I see. No, that's not going to work. A lot of this is going to be, oh, that's there because it's there. There are some things that make sense, okay? So that's motor and that's sensory. That's good, right? So that makes you move. That's where you feel stuff. Like, like, and I mean, with sensory meaning like touch and such. Uh, pressure, uh, heat, cold, uh, that kind of thing. And they're right beside each other, so... <clears throat> parts of your hand are here for movement and for, for touch. Okay, that makes sense. I got that. And why is that right beside where we do complex cognition and right near where we do laughter? I don't know. Because that's just how it turned out. So trying to think of it logically is not going to help you. I'm just saying that you've got to be careful. You gotta, I always... I don't know about you guys. When I, and frankly, I hope you're not like me, because the world needs fewer people like me. <laughs> Every time, when I was in school, anything to this day, when I learned, try to learn things, I try to get a logic. Oh, I see why this happened. Oh, I see why this is like this. This, if you do things that that's and you can come up with, well done. <laughs> I have trouble there. Um, some of the names. That's it. Should say there. 
uh, are weird. Unless you know Greek or Latin, perhaps both, they're a little weird. I know some, some Latin because I took Latin in high school for four years. I went to the one high school in London that taught Latin. I think they still do. Um, so I can say things like, the dog is standing on the table. <laughs> Canis est in mensa stat. Grumio est servus. Grumio est in quilina. Grumio est abrits. Grumio the slave is in the kitchen and he's drunk. <laughs> so if I ever go back in time, take me, if you're going back to ancient Rome, because I'll translate. <laughs> and I've seen that show Rome, so we'll be fine. Took in a lot of history. And we'll amaze them. I'll say, but I am your God! You know, something like that, and then everything will be fine. You pull out some kind of book. So they got names like Substantia Negra. And if you know Latin, you know that means black stuff, black substance. And you might go, but why did they call it that? There's no black. I heard of white matter, I heard of gray matter, I've never heard of black matter. Wouldn't that be bad in your brain to have black matter? It's because when you uh, stain it with silver nitrate, it stains black. That's all it is. My favorite one is zona inserta, which is Latin for uncertain zone. Because the first person that named it didn't know what it did, and it didn't have a name yet. I think you should have called it, like, Steve. Just give it, like, an actual proper name. I think that would have been excellent. Yes, I've discovered a new brain region. I'm calling it Steve. It's right beside Eddie and near John. So those ones don't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, Some of them make a little bit of sense. Hippocampus, which we will talk about today. Hippocampus... Uh, it's not, it doesn't show up very well in here, so <laughs> Hippocampus, uh, and you know the word hippocampus, if, if you know some French, hippocamp, that means uh, seahorse, right? And it's from the Latin for seahorse, and it's because it's shaped like a question mark. But they didn't want to call it question marcius. <laughs> so they called it hippocampus. So it kind of looks like a hippocampus, and I've said this many times before, if you've been looking at a hippocampus, and, and looking at seahorses all day, and you're very tired, and it's kind of dark out, and, and, and you've taken those bath salts, <laughs> then it kind of looks like, yeah, you've smoked some salvia. Then it's like, oh, it's, yeah, it's a seahorse. <laughs> and then your friends, of course, put you on YouTube because you're taking salvia, because that's funny. Never understood that. I'm going to get high and put it on YouTube. I hope my parents don't see it. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't get a job when I got older. Um, <laughs> amygdala is um. Uh, I don't see amygdala here. Probably I can't see the campus. I can't see amygdala. No, I'm trying to really picture amygdala. I don't want to take it apart. I mean, I don't think I do want it, but I Amygdala is the size of an almond and it's shaped like an almond, but amygdala is a word that means almond in Greek. And it tastes just like almonds. No, I don't know what it tastes like. Okay, so some of the some of the words make sense, some of the meaning. Uh, and that's great. Let's hope the next slide looks better. Um, okay, here's some key terms now. I'm probably not going to ever ask these in a test or anything, but you'll see them come up in a book. You'll see them up in your readings. And you probably know most of the meat. Uh, anterior, towards the back. Oh, sorry, towards the front. Um, caudal, towards the back. Dorsal, towards the back. Frontal, towards the front. That was an easy one. They don't go with frontal and backal and leftal and rightal, unfortunately. <laughs> Inferior is below. <coughs> Inferior is below. Uh, lateral, that's a cross. Okay? So if we did a lateral slice of a brain, which we haven't done here. Well, here we go. <laughs> lateral. 
Okay? That's the lateral plane. I mostly probably don't know this. Your brain is actually held together with metal pins. So <laughs> and it's color-coded as well. Uh, most of them. It just isn't quite this big. Uh, medial is the middle. So we could say lateral medial, and that means in the middle of this slice. Okay? <coughs> A posterior towards the back. Rostral towards the front from the Latin rostrum for beak. Oh, and caudal is from uh, caudalus, meaning tail. Towards the back. Or doc caudal from Battlestar Galactica. So I remember that. I don't know if it doesn't help me at all, but I like to think about Battlestar Galactica as often as possible. Uh, sagittal, this way. Here you go, there's a sagittal cut. Right down the middle, that's what that means. Down the middle this way. <coughs> superior is above. You have superior and inferior. Doesn't mean like better. Right? It's like Lake Superior. It's above. Right? It's the highest one up. We don't call like Lake Ontario the Lake Inferior. And that's <laughs> sort of a shitty lake. We call it Lake Inferior. <laughs> and there's Lake in the middle, it's like Georgia Bay. That's like medial. <laughs> um, it's been a long week. Uh, ventral is towards the gut, towards the, okay, that way. So if I said ventral medial, right, that's this way, but towards the, the front. So if we did uh, ventral medial, so yeah. Ventral towards the front and in the middle. So if I had the. There's thalamus. Nah. Okay. There's thalamus right there, okay? Fit here? If I said the ventral towards the front, medial in the middle, and I said ventral medial thalamic nucleus, you would go, oh, I see. It's towards the front, but in the middle. And this is in the middle because I got a sagittal cut here. Make sense? So that's just when you're naming stuff. When you're trying to get specific. So, like, yeah, first paper I ever published was about the lesions the ventral medial thalamic nucleus. In rats, I didn't do it in people. That's not nice. You can't lesion people. Well, you can, you're just not supposed to. You just don't even want to tell anybody. All right. So that, again, those terms, I, I'm not going to ask you to never. I just want, in case I use them, I want you to know. know. So you're outside of your brain. Um, no, it's not actually covered in chocolate. I got that from Freakazoid, if anybody. It's not a chocolate coating. Anyway, no one watches Freakazoid. It's sad. You guys were kids. Yeah, you, have, you mentioned Freakazoid. That's good. That's how you nod your head. Okay, uh, your brain's covered with what I like to call your brain bag, your meninges. Okay? So, inside that is your cerebral spinal fluid. So, your brain is actually sitting in a, in essence, a bag that has fluid in it that cushions it. That's one of the functions of it. Okay? Um, one of the most common kinds, in fact, the most common kind of brain tumor is what's called a meningenoma. And in fact, if you're below 50, it's much more likely if you get a brain tumor, you get a meningenoma. And the nice thing about meningenomas is that people live from them. People don't die from meningenomas. Well, they do, but it's a lot less likely than it is from the kind that, that my dad died from, which was a, a glioblastoma, which is from a glial cell. Those, those are horrible, and they kill you. So you may know somebody. Uh, brain tumor is pretty rare, but you may know somebody who... As a kid, you always hear about kids, kids survive the brain tumor. It's always in an ingenome. Because think about it, it's a great big tumor sitting on the outside of your brain. It's not actually on your brain, it's on the, the coating, in essence. Thing is, they get, they're hard to notice and they get really big before people notice that they're there. They can get to be the size of, like, an apple. So what's happening is, because it's typically a kid, it's typically somebody below 18. Uh, and what happens is, 
their behavior changes all of a sudden. And it's because there's pressure on their brain. But because the cerebral spinal fluid's there, it sort of gives, right? So what happens is eventually they change behavior. Don't know what's going on. It's a neurological test. Person has an MRI. They know your kid's got a meningioma. Your kid's got a brain tumor. People cry. Um, but then typically, then you're told that the survival rate's actually pretty decent for that kind of cancer. As long as it hasn't metastasized. And it typically does Right? Uh, the other kind, like I said, a glioma or a glioblastoma, you bet it's horrible, infiltrative, infiltrative, and you die. So we all, are we all sad now and depressed? Okay. Um, another name for the brain itself, you hear, you'll hear the word cerebrum used. And that's for the whole thing. This whole item. Right here. The cerebellum is down here. That's the cerebellum. That is Latin for little brain. Cerebrum actually is Latin for brain. Uh, yeah, kind of. So is cerebrum. But yeah, cerebrum works. But cerebellum is for little brain. And I went to high school with a girl named Cerebellum. We all called her Cerebellum. Because we were geeks. Because neuroanatomy jokes are funny. And chicks really dig them. Um, so, yes, you, you don't hear cere uh, cere uh, sorry, cerebrum used much. You will, you will, you will hear, you will hear uh, cerebellum, of course. Um, we have sul sulky and gyri. You might hear someone say salsi, but it's Latin and all C's are hard C's. There's no soft C's in Latin. Okay. A sulcus is a groove. Okay? A gyrus is a bump. Now, where's a gyro? Is it delicious? Yeah. CSF. Yeah. The CSF, cerebral spinal fluid. And if you get too much cerebral spinal fluid, uh, that's uh, a certain kind of, um, uh, that's, that's hydrocephalus. And that happens sometimes to babies when they're born. I've got a friend of mine whose kid was born with, with uh, hydrocephalus. It's just your brain's making too much CSF. Um, your ventricles, which are, that's a ventricle right there, a great big gap where there's nothing. Where the, by the way, the Egyptians thought that's where animal spirits lived. <laughs> They've got to be somewhere. <laughs> Why not there? But uh, the ventricles, uh, one of the things they do is make CSF. Um, and other stuff, too, and no one's really quite sure what else. But when you make too much CSF, in fact, you'll get pressure on your brain. And this will happen sometimes when, uh, especially during development, so a baby's born uh, hydrocephalus, so it's, or you'll hear it called water on the brain. What they do in that case that's usually pretty detectable early on uh, if you're very careful. So if you find out your kid's got that, what they do is they put a shunt in the back of it. They basically drill a hole from the skull up into the brain and put a tube in that drains CSF into the throat. So next, what happens is you just swallow it. You don't notice it. I don't think it's horribly pleasant. And the kid ends up being totally normal. Sometimes people will have these in their, the rest of their lives. Um, it just drains right down into your gut. Right, so that's what CSF, you know, any, this is a really delicate piece of gear. It's amazing these things work at all. It's amazing they work at all. Okay, the brainstem. Uh, well, that's pretty obvious. It's right there. Right, right this bit here. The brainstem does a lot of really basic functions. This is like waking you up putting you to sleep, very basic things. Um, this is also any stuff that's coming from the sensory system. Okay, so it's coming from, say, your fingers. You're feeling stuff with your fingers, right? And it comes in, goes through your spinal column. We'll talk about that later on. Goes up through your brain stem, through the pons, which is right 
there. Pons is a Latin word, it means bridge. It's the bridge between the brain stem and the rest of the brain. Good name. They couldn't have called it bridge, could they? Because they're clever, they could use that. And then it goes up here to the sensor, the certain part of sensory cortex where you feel something. And it's amazing that that feels like it's happening instantaneously, because it's not. Which is also cool. Your brainstem's function, by the way, is not to hold your brain up. I got that once as an answer on a question, on a, on a test. You know, with the following, so I have a diagram. This is a common kind of question I'll have, which I'll have a diagram that'll look a lot like this, and I'll have labeled about five of them, and I'll leave ten of them blank, and I'll say, label the ones that are missing, and tell me in one or two words what each thing does. So all you need for brainstem is, I don't know, you could say, sleep, wakefulness. That'd be fine. That's true. That, that, that'd give you the, the points. Because I just want a couple words. Person puts brainstem. Holds your brain up. <laughs> I almost took off like more marks than I had to. Because it's like, please. So please don't tell me your brainstem holds your brain up. Because just the thing weighs a lot more than a bunch of... Anyway, just simple physics. Uh, cranial nerves, I'll explain those in a second. Uh, in your head, cranium, yeah, you've got... Uh, 12 sets of uh, two nerves that um, do all kinds of things. They control your, your mouth, uh, salivary glands, stuff like that. Okay. There's a lot of arteries and veins that uses all that blood. I mean, it uses 25% of your glucose and about 75% of your oxygen. Uh, if that's true, it's going to need to be, you know, have blood in it. So blood's kind of important. Just a bit. This also explains when the blood supply is cut off, you get what's called a stroke. We actually don't tend to use that term anymore. That's something uh, like people in medicine don't use it very much anymore. They talk about uh, ischemic episodes or, or, or TIAs, transitive ischemic attacks. In fact, it's starting to be viewed more like a brain attack, kind of like a heart attack, um, rather than uh, the idea of a stroke. Used to, well, it used to be the strokes just killed you. My, my grade 9 science teacher, I told you about the guy that was the English uh, fighter pilot. He took over from a guy who was 31 years old and had a stroke and died one day. Just like, bang, dead. Yeah. Now, strokes, people live a lot longer, in fact, and recover, which is wonderful. The world's changed. I was in grade 9 in 1979, a long time ago. So, you can get the blood supply cut off, you can get what's called a stroke, right? And cells are going to die. Right? So cells are going to die, and you need them because neurons don't regrow. <clears throat> okay, so you're born with all the. You're, you got more neurons when you're born than you will ever have. But you're a baby, so you're stupid. <laughs> right? If kids were smart, they'd already be adults. Homer Simpson. Um, I know this wasn't in the, uh, on, on the slides downloaded. Put this in there today. I'm going to show you a nice picture um, of an important gyrus, the superior frontal. Now, this also shows you the idea of the terms, superior, up high, frontal. And the superior frontal gyrus, as you can see, right along here. Okay? And it is bounded by the superior frontal sulcus, as you would expect. Now, what does this thing do? Why did I point this out? One of the neat things that this seems to be responsible for is self-awareness. Knowing that you are you. Knowing that you're doing things rather than someone else. Okay. There's a part of superior frontal gyrus. This is a classic paper from, was it the, I think, late 90s. And it's an area right around here. Uh, sorry, wrong half of the brain. 
right side. Right around there, okay, on superior frontal drivers, and it seems to be, it seems to for some reason support laughter. Okay? It supports laughter. Now, a person had a lesion, this is this case, I think her case name is AK, that's her, her initials. You have to rely a lot of times on case studies and this stuff because you can't do this to people. So she had a bump, I think it's a bump in the head, like a really bad accident, but she's got a lesion here. And the lesion makes her think everything's funny. Uh, so she's great for comics like going to a club, like, you know, Seinfeld wants her out there in the audience because everything you say is funny. And there's these great, if you smile at her, she starts laughing uncontrollably thinking everything's funny. Um, the neat thing is, she still attributes it to something. She doesn't say, I don't know why I can't stop laughing. Because when you ask her what's so funny, because if you show her a picture, she starts laughing. So you say, like, here's a picture. I'm trying to remember one. I don't know if they use this in the, in the, in the paper or not. I know a very common thing you use uh, that, that, that neurologists use are, are keys. You very often ask people, what are these? And there's a reason they ask that. It's because it's something in their pockets. <coughs> but she'd laugh about those keys are hilarious. And then sometimes she would just laugh as long as soon as she saw somebody. And there's a great quote in the paper, and I'll see if I can get it right. It's something like, you guys are so funny the way you just stand there. <laughs> it's something like that. So I mean, poor her, because it's kind of nasty. But it does show that, you know, humor's one of those things that really is a pretty human thing, isn't it? Your dog doesn't have a sense of humor. <coughs> right? Your dog doesn't think it's funny when you throw the ball, but you don't throw it, the ball behind you. I don't know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know you're very disappointed. And you don't go, you show it to the dog, the dog goes, oh, that's, that's pretty good. You know, that doesn't happen. That's a human thing. And we have more cortex than any other animal. And we... If other animals are self-aware, and it's hard to know if they're all actually self-aware, but it's hard to prove even humans are self-aware. Um, but we know we are. It's a hard thing to study. But this shows that, you know, this is a pretty uniquely human thing, self-awareness, and so is laughter. It seems to me that, that humor and self-awareness go pretty much hand in hand. You, you can't not know who you are and figure out what's going to be fun. See what I'm saying? So it makes some sense. I guess they go together in some respects, though I could probably make up a story if they didn't belong together, too. Okay. Let's get inside. Let's dig in. The ventricles. They make CSF. That's about all they do. Um, the ventricles are these big gaps. I showed you where the animal spirits live. The ancient Egyptians thought. Right there. We know CSF is made in there. Right? But why do you need a brain hole? Just seems kind of odd. Right? It's a weird thing that, that, that that's there. And there's more than one. There's a few different little gaps in that. So we don't know what else they do. We don't know what else they do. Um, some of the brain is myelinated, so it's called white matter. A myelin is basically fatty tissue that goes around, like a fatty substance that goes around some neurons. And a lot of it's gray matter, so it's not myelinated. Okay? All right. Whoops. That's quicker than I thought. Okay. <coughs> Internally, um, and I guess it's sort of external too, but. We, we divide the brain into lobes, right? We have the frontal lobe, which is at the front, hence the nape. So it's easy to remember where that is. So we got four of them. The frontal lobe, what does the frontal lobe do? The frontal lobe, I just talked about things like self-awareness, laughing, 
One of the neat things that the frontal lobe does is basically complex cognition. So, problem solving, planning, that's where that's happened, up here. I notice it's the biggest lobe, right? And you might say, well, why is it divided this way? Where actually there are uh, sulky that divide it up. Like it, it's, a, it's a sensible division. It's not like someone went, well, we'll call this part up to here, the frontal lobe. Right? It really does make sense what's, what's happening. Okay? And actually, on this, because we have sensory and motor, let's put the same. We have the sensory and the motor here on my, my, my diagram, on my model rather, but that's actually part of the frontal lobe. So you see it's actually quite big. So complex cognitive, this is where things like personality live. Right? This is the classic case, and you've heard about the case of Phidias Gage. The psychology students I know have heard of Phidias Gage. Right? If you've not heard about Phineas Gage, it's spelled P-H-I-N-E-A-U-S. Phineas. What kind of person, first of all, names their kid Phineas? You're setting them up for a fall. <laughs> and the fall they set him up for was getting a railway spike through his head. It's an accident. Or so they say. <laughs> Apparently he was a really nice guy. He was a foreman. He was working on the railroad all the live long day. <laughs> and Apparently a nice guy. Gets this spike through his head, he lives, by the way. Wow. First of all, that's kind of cool. Give spike hair to only reading. But he changed his personality. He started being a real prick. Like, he was a bad guy all of a sudden. And this is often thought of as being evidence of how your personality is in your frontal lobe. And I think that's partially true. I, I wouldn't deny that, I mean, well, I wouldn't deny that personality is your frontal lobe. That'd be silly. I also wouldn't say that this isn't an example of that. But you know what else it could be? Think about this. He's a foreman. He's running the whole operation. People complain to the bosses. That's what they do. Oh, come on, Mr. Gage. Can't we get some more time for lunch? Oh, yeah. Life must be rough. I have a spike in my head. <laughs> so maybe that's why he was a jerk. You ever think of that? No one ever brings that up. I'd be a little short-tempered, too. Your problems seem a little bit like sort of small problems. Non-Phineas Gage problems. Hashtag non-Phineas Gage problems. <laughs> I don't have a spike for my head. You know, seriously. So we could think of it as evidence of personality being there, and it, it, I guess it probably is to a point. But also, if I had a spike through my head, I'd be in a pretty pissy mood for the rest of my life, too. Just saying. It occurred to me a few years ago. No one's ever brought this up. I don't know. I should write this up somewhere. Write it up in a, a rant kind of thing, in a, in, a, in a journal. Journal of Psychological Rants. I don't think it exists. I'll start the journal. I'll start that journal and we'll go from there. So that frontal lobe, though, it is doing that kind of stuff. That's right. Yeah, Milan makes the, 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 the transmission quicker. It's exactly what Milan does. It's uh, like, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Insulation on a cable. Parietal lobe. Parietal lobe's here. Now, parietal lobe is doing some spatial stuff. Yeah, man. I'm actually interested too, but you didn't answer the question. Oh, what's the rest of what you're saying? It says, so why isn't it all myelin? Oh, yeah, because uh, myelin's expensive. No, no, it's expensive physiologically to make myelin. So it's only where it's needed, where, where you really need fast regulation. Yeah. Good question. Thanks, man. That takes out something for the question. Um, parietal, up here. Okay, so again. Here. It's uh, color coded in both diagrams, sort of an off. It's a lovely mauve. <laughs> Beside the fuchsia sensory cortex. Um, it does spatial stuff, right? Uh, some spatial stuff. It is important in 
math, mathematical ability, which is a very spatially loaded task. It is also important in making certain decisions about, and this is crazy, your right parietal lobe is important in making decisions about morality. And how do we know this? Okay. This, this is reliable, reliably, um, this is reliably easy to replicate. You, you, you take, uh, do you know what TENS is? Transcutaneous electrical nervous stimulation? It's a device that's used actually to, it's like almost like a massage device, okay? But it can also be used if you, uh, it's something like a TENS thing, and what it does is it just puts current in the brain. Put it on top of the skull, and you end up running current in that part of the brain. And of course, that's gonna make that part of your brain, it basically shuts it, 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 shuts it down. I can do that with your brokers area, and get you to be talking, and I can, on your left brokers, and you start going, ah, nah, 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 and then I take it off, and you keep talking. <laughs> So what are we going to do now? What are we going to do to find out someone's morality? We ask them the following question. We lay out a scenario. There's a guy, and he hates him at work. So he decides he's going to kill him. And he gives... He's, he's, going, to use in a, uh, he's going to use a powder of... Uh, a, a, Poison itself comes in powder form. I don't know what poison is. I don't know what poison. He's gonna put it in his coffee. Yeah. So he gives him his coffee with his little pouch of what he thinks is sweetener, but it's poison. What's it is? He drinks it. Turns out actually he screwed up. He didn't get the poison. Didn't get the poison. He actually took the aspartame or sugar or whatever. No worries. Guy's fine. The question we then ask is on a scale of one to seven, one meaning everything's fine, no harm, no foul, to seven meaning that's a pretty bad guy. How bad a person is that? And we all we all say seven, right? He tried to kill a guy. He tried to poison a coworker. Now while I have a list of people that I want off, I don't actually do it. I've said too much. <laughs> but if I am going on right parietal, right part of right parietal, and right around there, okay? You know what your answer is? One, nothing bad happened. <laughs> awesome! Morality's in your brain! Now we knew it must be, right? Where else could it be? <laughs> but finding that there's a part of your brain that does moral processing is the is just cool. Right? I have a fear that somehow this is gonna lead to robots. I don't know, bad robots, but <laughs> scary bad robot Cylons, but that's pretty cool. Alright, also does other interesting things. Spatial ability, spatial tasks. Um, knowing left from right is in the pride alone. And you can get a lesion to parietal lobe, and I, to be honest with you, I can't remember exactly where, though I think it's right around there, if I remember correctly. Um, and it, it interferes with your ability to know left and right. And what you do, and it isn't just, sorry, it, it makes you neglect half the world. Do you remember the episode of Seinfeld where Crazy Joe DeVolta kicks Kramer in the head? Right? And but Kramer's wearing Newman's helmet. And the great thing is, the part where they have the dent is exactly where you should get kicked in the head to get what's called contralateral neglect. So either somebody looked this up or it just looked good on a prop. I think it's probably the latter. But I can draw what happens in this case. I don't know if you remember the um, screen. <laughs> Boy, it's pretty far down, isn't it? There's a lot of extra screen. 
right. Well, let's uh, while you're waiting, <laughs> you want to draw on the freaking blackboard. So somebody with contralateral, oh, that's great. <laughs> I guess I'll just draw it down here. So someone with contralateral neglect, you say, okay, draw me this. And I'm just going to put the, okay. So, well, what the hell? Let's go all in. <laughs> so now we have a plot, and I, I say, okay. This person doesn't have to tell time, and you say, I'd like you to draw me a copy of this clock, and I'd like, but I'd like you to say that it's at 3 o'clock, or say 10 o'clock, the person draws this. Did I say 10 o'clock? Right. They even get the hands in the right place at 10 o'clock, except the clocks have two sides, left and right. They ignore the left half of the world. And then that episode, if you remember, Kramer forgets to shave the left half of his face. Uh, and that actually does happen with, with, with people, with men, with contralateral neglect, and I guess certain women. Um, but they don't do, go so far as like Kramer does in that episode and forget to put the left leg of his pants on. <laughs> you know, they don't, it doesn't go that far. But they actually don't notice. They ignore the left half of the world. The neat thing is, when you say, do you notice any difference between this and this? They go, that looks right. And then when you say, you know, you forgot that, that there's stuff on the left half of the room. They go, oh, shh. Really? You're right. That's crazy. So you tell them that, and you have them dry it, draw it again, and the same thing happens again. And now we can wait here for a while. So that's good. Zach's found a, a link to somebody who needs to say Broca's area. You look that up on the Twitter feed. Because it's a real, it's an amazing thing to watch. You can also do the same thing with number. Or, actually, usually do it with number, rather. Or people take it into count because you know what's coming next. One, two, three, four, five, five. It's an amazing thing. So I'm glad you looked that up. Thanks, Zach. Um, all right. Where's my mouse go? There it is. Okay. So that's parietal. Parietal is obviously kind of cool. Uh, it's, getting, it's getting some input from vision, clearly, right? It's getting input from vision. It's got to be. Temporal lobe. I remember the name of this one because it's by your temple. I, I don't I actually know them now, but when I was learning it, give you a lot of here's a lot. You give you a lot of confidence. I remember the mighty color, um, and I'm teaching you. So the temporal lobe uh, hearing. Oh, that's good actually. Good. That one actually makes some sense. Right by your ear. Though isn't everything in your brain right by your ear? <laughs> um, language, language perception, language production, especially left. Here, left temporal. Okay, so we got Broca's area right about here. We got Wernicke's area right about here. You may have heard people call it Wernicke's area. That's people who don't realize that in Germans, the W means a V. His name was Wernicke. His name wasn't Wernicke. So the cool thing about this is you can have damage. Well, that's not cool. But if you get damage to Broca's area but not to Wernicke's area, um, you can understand speech, but you can't make it. Understand speech, but you can't make it. Even weirder, you can get damaged to Wernicke's area and not Broca's area. You can make sentences, but you can't understand what you're saying or anybody else says. And it does affect uh, the written word as well. You can read stuff, it affects that as well. Now, the damage can be such that it could be something as, 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 uh, as bad as not being able to actually speak. <coughs> But very often, it's something you will get um, sounds being made. And this is like the video that Zach mentioned on Twitter, which is the inability just to you can make noises. You just can't make words. Or you might make the wrong words, or you might make neologisms, non-words. So I know when my father had, my dad died of a brain tumor in 2008. And my dad's brain tumor was right there. Uh, there, primary auditory association cortex. That's where it was. It was the size of a golf ball. So 
what it did is you could guess is it pushes. I figure I'll talk about this because the only way my dad's death has any goddamn meaning is if it helps somebody understand something. Anyway, it pushes. Okay? It pushed. It's dead now, so it pushed. Uh, past tense. And it pushed, obviously, as you would guess, down here and out here and up here, etc. So one of the things it did is it pushed down onto Broca's area. And over time, as the, as the tumor grew, he has started having trouble with language. And the trouble that he ended up having was not that he couldn't speak. It was that he couldn't use words properly. So he would use the wrong word. So I remember visiting my dad in February during the break of 19, I'm sorry, 2008. And my mom went out. My mom had gone out in ages because she had gone to the house because like her husband was dying. And I said, Mom, get out. Go. Go hang out with my sister Stephanie. Go. Just get out of the house. Oh, hang with Dad. We'll watch a hockey game. It'll be fun. So I made dinner. And my dad looks at me. It was just hammers. But they were big, thick. I made big man-sized burgers. Like, I, you know, I wasn't screwing around. And my dad looked at me and goes, these, these, uh, these uh, Mustangs? You know, way too much English. I said, okay. <laughs> what does that mean? And I said, Dad, I, I don't know what that means. And he got frustrated because he knew what he meant. And then he said, the Mustang, and he pointed at the hamburger, has too much English. <laughs> I said, oh, the hamburger's too thick. He said, yes. <laughs> like, that's what I just said. <laughs> and then we went out for a walk, and he says, uh, where, are my, uh, where are my walnuts? <laughs> I said, you're what? You know, uh, walnuts. I said, I don't really have a... Dad, walnuts are thing you eat them with, the, you know. And he said, so I, I, then I, I'm going to my shoes. goes, walnuts! Shoes! <laughs> shoes! See, you are a very strange code. If we were to look that up in the decoder, the Rick Broadbeck decoder ring, those are shoes. Uh, he also, um, and it's interesting because now those ones make no sense, do they? They make no sense. They're just, just word replacement. There were other times I would, I would talk to my dad every night when I wasn't visiting the one, and I would talk to him on, uh, on iChat. So we're talking, and he had good days and bad days. And we were talking once, and he says to me, how do you get a uh, how do you get a Coke out of the pop machine? I you know, put aluminum in and it comes out. <laughs> he said, no, 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 no. And he got very frustrated because he knew what he meant. How do you get a Coke out of the pop machine? The funny thing was swearing, which actually I'll talk about this if I have time today, is controlled by the different part of your brain. Um, he swore perfectly. Uh, so he just went out. Son of a... You know, and he's got all frustrated. Mom said, just go sit down, Rick. And my mom talked to me. She said, I don't know. She said, by the way, I've got to print out some stuff. My, my dad was the kind of guy that would say, for example, maybe your dad's like this. You can't touch his computer. Because if you move an icon, what'd you do to my computer? So he was like that. So he, my mom never really learned how to use the computer properly. She said, yeah, she's great. But... She didn't really, you know. So she said, I gotta print out some of your dad's emails. That's what we're talking about. He looks up, he says, Yes! How do you get a Coke out of a block machine? He said, oh, he wants to print an email. So you see, he's trying to get something out of the machine. And this is because a thing the size of a golf ball was pushing down and screwing with his broker's area. He was also messing with auditory association cortex. The interesting thing was he could still swear really, really well. And you also find out that some phrases are actually coded like words. So he would always say, hang on, hang on a sec. And hang on, hang on a sec sounds like four words. But he's saying it like one word. So he'd say, hang on a sec. And it'd be like it's one word. Right? Um, swearing, which is kind of cool, is in his emotional speech typically. And instead of being controlled in the left half of the temporal, it's right. Okay? So, the, which also makes sense because his damage wasn't on the right side. So, 
thing then is that what you could do, and this is what a student of mine did back in 2000, I think it was 2007 maybe, she did a thesis with me, is she tried to get people's right parietal lobe and right temporal lobe activated. And the way she did that is she got them to play a spatially loaded game. She got them to play Tetris. And while they were playing Tetris, see if you're spatially, if that part of your brain's busy, it probably can't deal as well with um, saying if, if, if swearing is actually being angry or is it just an exclamation? Right, because that's how people talk. Because sometimes you swear like because you stub your toe and other times, it's like, good day. <laughs> right? It's good. So what she did is she had people either playing a spatially loaded game or not, and she had people hearing a conversation off in the distance. And the conversation had a person use, dropping F-bombs like crazy. And did they recognize that sometimes they were angry and sometimes they were actually being happy? And sometimes they were just, you know, some people effing talk like effing out all the effing time. You know, like I do when I'm not in class. And it kind of half worked. That's all I had to say. It, had we actually messed <coughs> a lot more with, 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 with uh, spatial task, I think it would have worked a lot better. That was work done by Shauna Barrett. She's now a PhD student in neuroscience at um, Concordia University in Montreal. Did her thesis with me, and I think it was 08. In fact, I'm certain it was 08. Uh, finally, we have occipital lobe. And what, what occipital, occipital does is nothing but vision. The occipital lobe does nothing but vision. Now, notice how all these other lobes, I can talk generally about some of the things they do. Occipital only does vision. It has five layers. And in fact, it's so is devoted to vision that we often call it visual cortex. So you'll often call this part here just visual cortex. We're visual animals, right? Um, highly visual animals. And we have a whole part of our brain that's specialized to do nothing but vision. Now, this is also true in cats, by the way, that part of their cortex. And in all kinds of other animals, rats. All kinds of other animals, right? So it's not just us that have visual cortex, but other animals do too. Um, this is an exceedingly, the cool thing about it is we actually know how it works. We know exactly how you see. I say you, not me, because I don't see one. But we know exactly how you see. We know how visual stimuli are represented in your brain. And I, uh, near the end of the course, sometimes probably in March, We'll actually go through this, and it is so freaking cool. Because we can represent all 312, well, 180 degrees that you can see in a something the size of, and this is way too big, right? Because it's not actual size, something that small, and twice as big as And it's incredible how it works. And it works so completely counterintuitive because I talked about how you can see vision emotions separate from shape and things like that. So it's very good. So that's what occipital lobe does. It does nothing but vision. Um, but did you notice how I mentioned vision in the parietal? I mentioned vision. Vision's going to be important in temporal because look, if we're going to, even if we're just talking about reading, that's a visual task. So vision is important in all parts of our brain. We're really visual animals. All right. Questions? Is it damaged in the occipital lobe that allows us to, when one portion of the brain gets damaged, you can't even recognize faces? Oh, yeah, yeah. The face system, no, face system's in the parietal lobe. Face system's in the parietal lobe. Yeah, that's neat. Um, there are cases where people actually can't recognize faces. We have a, a special facial recognition system. It's almost certain we do. No, we're not entirely, but it's almost certain. Because we have individual... We know, for example, in monkeys, there are individual cells that respond only when a certain monkey is seen. Um, and we also know in people there are <coughs> cases where people get what's called face blindness. They can't make a look at a face, but they don't know who the hell it is. They look at themselves the other day. Right? They know who the people are. 
right? So they know that that sound, that shape of body is mom or dad, but they can't look at the face and go, that's mom or dad, right? And that does happen. Um, and I think one of the reasons we hear a lot about that, first of all, is that it's a, it's a very fascinating disorder. But also, think about it, it's parietal, it's top of your head. So when you get a bump there, that's a pretty common place to get a bump. I think maybe that's the other reason we hear a lot about it, because the cases might be a little more common. Good question. Anything else? That's a good thing to wrap up on. I will see you guys on Tuesday. Thanks, everyone.
This podcast is released under a Creative Commons copyright share like 2.5 Canada. Uh, feel free to redistribute the information as you see fit, but please don't make any money out of it. And if you do, you got to tell me because I'm reserving that right. Giving up all the other ones, including uh, mash it up any way you want, okay? Um, also, of course, give me attribution. If you want to get a hold of me, my email address is dave.broadbeck, B-R-O-D-B-E-C-K, at algomau.ca. My website is people.auc.ca slash broadbeck slash blog. Uh, most of the music, uh, all the music's Podsafe, and most of it comes from GarageBand.com or the Podsafe Music Network. See you next time.